With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. At The Home Depot, we improve things. This holiday season, we've improved Black Friday. Instead of one day of crazy, we've lowered prices now, and they'll stay low all season. From decorations to dishwashers, wreaths to ratchet sets. So sleep in. You're not going to miss Black Friday. Not one little bit. Black Friday improved. The best prices of the year already here at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. Hello, uh, so another episode of Touchline Hotspur. Uh, I'll be your host today. I'm Sai. Uh, today, who do I have with me? I've got Owen. How's it going, mate? How's it going, Sai? You good? Not too bad, brother. Not too bad. Uh, today, we've also got Tobes. Yo, yo. Yeah. Representing Tapping. What's yo. good? It's good to be here, man. It's good to be here. It's great, great, great. MVP's here. <laughs> already, already. Surprise your head fits in that box. On the 
And we've got Tops. Yeah, what's going on, Sai? What are you saying? Not too bad, bro. I'm liking this shirt today. Yeah, man. 07, 08. You know them things. It's that Bale screamer against... Uh, That's it. Yeah. Big boy goal. Was that Stoke? Yeah, man. Stoke away, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bad boy goal. And then last but not least, main man, Tyler. How you guys doing, man? It's good to have um to have Tobs on here, man. I'm, it's time to make me feel like I need to go to a gym. Like, I'm seeing your arms. It's <laughs> lacking, man. What a, he wore a medium-sized Cleveland jersey. Oh, my God. <laughs> you are a hater. <laughs> Non-ironically wearing a vest. Yeah, precisely. We're still off a W, technically, so it's a love. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, quite a bit has happened since last time we were, we were all here. Um, first and foremost, we've got our first signing of the season. Uh, so, Hoiberg, or Hoibier. Um, number five, how are you all feeling, lads? It's, it's good to get it over the line, like all the Levy out haters would say that this would take until deadline day. So it's now being <laughs> in before preseason, one of the most crucial positions that we needed as well. So yeah, it's exciting signs. Not sure about the number five shirt, though. It's just the wounds are still a bit fresh for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how are we feeling, Tobes? Yeah, I don't mind it, to be honest. Um... I know obviously Vertonghen, for me, he's sort of like a modern day sort of Spurs legend, if if there is such a thing nowadays. But um, he's gone now. And I mean, he didn't win anything with us. We weren't going to retire his jersey. So I've got no issues with, with Hoybier, um taking the number five top. He just has to do it with pride, man. Because our previous number five was a superb player for us. So let's just hope that he can sort of raise the levels and be worthy of the shirt. How about you, Tops? How are you feeling about Hoibier? Yeah, man, positive. Like, I think he's been like a... He's the piece, I think, that we've really, really needed, to be honest with you, in the team in order to, like, uh, get us playing the way we want to play and also just that protection, you know, hopefully in front of that back four. And also allows, like, us to have a bit more um, flexibility with, with tactics as well. Um, I thought his interview was was really good, really positive. Like mm. um, he spoke really well, which kind of uh, translated to me quite positively. And hopefully, he can do a job. Yeah, man. He screams like a Mourinho player, doesn't he? That's all I was hearing in the interview. Like he just sounds yeah. like Mourinho's voice on the pitch. Yeah, man. Mm. Yeah, just to make up. Like I'd say. It is a solid signing. I didn't expect him to go into a kind of X-Factor contestant-esque monologue. I liked it. <laughs> and yeah, like I said, I think he'll slot right in and he'll kind of maybe even do a similar role. Like Henderson for Liverpool, he's not a spectacular player, as we know, but he does that job and he seems to be a leader for that team and he speaks like one. Solid. If he can be half as important as Jordan Henderson has become for Liverpool and can actually yeah. offer offer the club something, then by all means, I, I, I'll happily take that. Because I agree as well. It's not really... If it was me and I had my way with the club, I probably wouldn't even have signed Hoybier. And I actually don't think he's a bad player at all. I just think mm. that there are much better players out there. But it's good to see the club going out and actually understanding that, like, yo, this is a gaping issue in our, t- in our team. And they've actually gone out and signed someone who... 
Um, he may not be everyone's first choice, but he's someone who can come in and do that job to a good enough level or a decent enough level at least. So mm. we just have to hope he bangs. In terms of in terms of first choices, though, obviously we we've seen what type of style of play Jose has been going with. Uh, it looks like we're going to favour a four three three, sort of lopsided with Aurier or whoever else we may get in, which we'll touch on uh, a bit later. Um, but with with that in mind, who who would be a first choice given? Obviously, the way that we've traditionally done business and a profile of player that tends to suit us, who who would you have thrown into the hat in terms of names? I mean, all my names are unrealistic, so boy. Yeah. All my, all, literally, all my names are unrealistic, but um, I mean, take your pick. Like, I know obviously everyone will say, yeah, we ain't got the peas, we ain't got the peas, but like Thomas Party screaming for a move. Um, away from Atletico Madrid, 50 million release clause, which is a bargain for a, mid, for a, a midfielder of his caliber in this day and age. We're not gonna. We didn't. We didn't show any interest. Obviously, in Diddy, he'd probably cost more than 50 million euros, but he's someone I would have liked as well. Um, and I know it's a bit too late. It's six months later, but in January as well, before he even signed for Borussia Dortmund, I was. I was saying to my friend, I was literally on my knees, on my knees saying, yo, can we get someone like Emery Chan into the club? And my friend kept telling me he's not good enough. And I was thinking, what am I hearing here? Emery Chan's not good enough for this club. But those are the type of players, players who are players who can do sort of like the um, dirty work and have a bit more sort of finesse on the ball, in Didi aside anyway. But yeah, that's the type of player I would have targeted personally. I mean, we see the links today of um, Bayern Munich wanting 30 million for Thiago. 30 million for a guy who's arguably the best midfielder in the world in his position, who can play in that wink throw, who, get, who likes to get a bit dirty, who likes to keep him moving. He's got that really top finesse levels. I'm surprised more clubs haven't come in for him because he seems like he's, he's whoring out for a move to Liverpool at the moment. Do we feel like those, those uh, price tags are reflective of the player's ability or something that's sort of behind the scenes? Because I feel like we see that a lot. The top clubs that do have buku bucks, they tend to get guys on the cheap way more frequently than teams in our sort of position. Mm. Uh, so I know, I know that those guys are out there and they tend to go for less money than we expect, but I do feel like it's not really reflective of the market. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm torn on that. I'm torn on that. It seems more like agent deals behind the scenes, doesn't it? Like doing someone a favour for whatever reason. But mm-hmm. I mean, on paper, though, on paper, though, um, as I said, not everyone's cup of tea, not everyone's first choice. But like, I think even the most staunch sort of Levy critic will, can't argue with the fact that like just signing him for like, what is it, like three million net? It's fantastic business. Yeah. Signing mm-hmm. a player that you need that not just a player of his quality, but signing a player who can actually come in and do the job that no one else in the team can do, who's Premier League proven, 25 years old, um, club captain at another, or former club captain at another club. I mean, like, three million net, you can't really complain at that. So, financially, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a Spurs signing all over, and, and Leave will love it. I was trying to think as well. So, Sessegnon, he got relegated, but who have we, who was the last player we signed from another Premier League team? I couldn't actually think. Um, Laurenti, we signed him from Swansea. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's so rare that we sign 
a young player that will just slot into the first team. Doesn't need a year to adjust or anything like that. Mm. So it's going to be good to see him from from the get go. Uh, in terms of in terms of the net spend on that, obviously with that move, we've seen Carl Walker Peters, uh, academy prospect uh, or product, I should say, go the other way to Southampton. Uh, Owen, how are we feeling about that move? Yeah, I mean, Carl Peters, I, I'm just happy for him. I think he can progress well in Southampton. I didn't see the potential for him to be a player for us, to be honest. Overall, good move and good money for one of our academy products overall. For sure, for sure. Um, on the topic of transfers, obviously, every every day during the off-season, we get linked with a plethora of different uh, players. Uh, leading the list is Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Um, yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh, Do we put any stock into that, or is that just the media spinning a bit of a narrative? I don't know where that's come from. It's it, true. It's so crazy that it would even be suggested, because, I mean, you'd like to think that even if we were linked with a player from a rival club like Arsenal or Chelsea, there would be a top player. But anti Mason Lowell's, I mean, I, even watching him, like, he wouldn't even... Like be second choice in any position in our team, I don't think. You know, you know what the maddest thing is. I heard from some of my friends that he would, he would fight, he would have a place in our squad, and I was, I, I was just, I was like, are you mad? Like, are you actually crazy? Like when they were saying this to me, like I felt that they were half because I see Milan Nazis on the pitch. Like he's drunk fifty percent of the time I'm watching him on the pitch. <laughs> one or two, one or two good performances. <laughs> Are Riyad Mahrez at left back? I know he's diligent. I don't even think he's a bad footballer, but I just don't think he is at the level, even for Arsenal, let alone us. So I can't see why there should be any sort of any sort of weight behind those rumours. It just wouldn't make sense. No, it's not even like um, journalists are trying to try and like put two and two together, like the Sessegnon rumours. You can kind of try and put two and two together there, although it's not true. Or the Troy Deeney rumours, which are ridiculous, but obviously right. everyone knows we need a backup striker. <laughs> and everyone mm-hmm. like, Terrible. Mourinho is going to sign someone over 30. I'm open to it for the right player, but just not Troy Deeney. Not Troy Deeney. No trash man. But yeah, God knows where those uh, Ainsley Mitten Knowles rumours came from. Yeah, it was definitely a weird one. Obviously, we've had uh, guys like uh, Castagni, who me personally, I haven't seen too much of. Um, I know he came on for a short cameo against uh, PSG last night, um, if I'm not mistaken. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right, you're right. Yeah, he did, he did, yeah. I was like half asleep watching the games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what, what do we think of him? Has anyone seen a wider array of uh, scout reports? or? I've... I've seen him like a couple of times. Well, I say a couple of times sparingly. I've seen him probably like maybe three or four times for Atalanta. And he seems like he's comfy with the ball. And obviously he's got that versatility. But like in terms of his actual sort of defensive prowess, like I, I can't really sort of gauge whether he's good at defending. I know he can go forward because I feel like a prerequisite of um a prerequisite of an Atalanta fullback is 
how well you can use the ball. And like him, Goosens, Hattenbor, like they can they can they they can attack pretty well. But I don't really know how good he is defensively. I've never seen him like under the cosh or like up against a, a, a sort of tricky opponent for me to sort of gauge what his defending's like. Yeah, I'd agree on that. I've seen a couple, um, two or three matches and a couple of videos as well. So he can play right back, left back. But in Atalanta's system, he fits more of a wing back. So we don't really play a wing back. I can't remember last time we really stuck with three at the back for a prolonged period of time. So, yeah, he's, there's a lot of questions to be answered for him. Um, and depending on the price we can get him for, it's going to be a big gamble. But I think he's six foot two, which he didn't actually look at when I was watching the, the PSG game. He looked tiny from the camera angle there. But yeah, he's six foot two, good in the air, quick, can whip a ball in, can score goals. So he's an exciting player, but the jury's definitely still up. Swear down, he's six foot two. That, Maybe that's, that's, got, that's got to be lies, surely. Come on. He when I heard it, I was like, Chupa Moting must what? be like seven foot then. Because <laughs> <Damn, laughs> I'm going to check it now because that is mad. He looks tiny. Yeah, check Wikipedia and his Tinder profile. That will give you <laughs> way up the average. <laughs> okay. Tinder profile. Are there any other targets that you guys have heard floating around um, that have got you either worried or excited? Well, to be honest, there's obviously one which has exploded today, which has got me both, with uh, Paolo Dybala seemingly becoming available from Juventus. Well, I think I, I mean, I would welcome it, but I really don't think it will happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think if it was going to happen, it was going to happen last summer. I think the boat has sailed. I mean, I was doing this for the entire summer, thinking it was going to come also no avail. So I think it's just more media rumours at the end. That that the violent thing really rattled me last summer because I was I was actually in IB for that summer and I was um, I'm not going to say what I was on, but um, I, was, <laughs> I was enjoying I was I was enjoying myself and then I must have seen the news. I see. Sessignon, I see Giovanni Lo Celso, I'm thinking, yo, like we're making moves. And then I see Dybala, I'm like, yo, thank God, mm-hmm. yo, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. I get back from the night out and I see that like, apparently it's, it's, it's the plug's been pulled due to image rights. I'm thinking, what are we talking about? What worst come down the whole time. This as well. And I saw something about Bruno Fernandes. I, I'm even sure there was news about Bruno Fernandes closer to the time as well. It's weird. But on him joining us now, nah. Forget about it. We can't afford him. And even if we could afford him, why would he want to come to us? Why? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Definitely wouldn't be able to see how it would work financially. I know I can't... As much as the pull that Mourinho has, I can't really see him pulling Dybala in and saying, hey, listen, I'm going to give you the most creative free role in this starting eleven or or this squad make you, you know, the star of this team, the way he's been playing. Uh, I think it, I don't know, I just, I, I feel like the media have just put it into, into, our, into our hands and tried to play a little game of us. I can't really see how it works for us at, at this point. I mean, I'm hearing lots of stuff about us maybe getting rid of Ndombele instead and all this, but I don't know, I just don't see where it happens for us this season. I just think people, no, need, no. people need to be... Hypothetically, would you guys swap Sun for Dabala if that was ever a thing uh, no I wouldn't. I wouldn't I wouldn't I'm not going to lie to you how, how old is the baller he's 27 same age as son I think 
turned twenty eight this year. I think the I think the baller's twenty seven. Yeah. Is no, you know, no, I don't think I would actually. I think I, I think Sun's way, way more versatile, can pretty much play anywhere across the front and gives us like a lot more. I feel like if you put Dybala in a position, if it's not the position that he's 100% comfortable with, I mean, you might even be not getting a player that you, you know, that, that you really want in him as well. My thing with him though, like the baller is very much an expressive player. Like you let you give him the ball, and he's gonna do his dirt. He might score, he might assist, he might beat a couple players as well. And for me, that doesn't scream like a Mourinho player to me. This is a manager who was playing the likes of Mkhitaryan, like left wing back. Like what's what's he what's he gonna do? what's he gonna do when he gets his hands on such a talent like like the baller man? Forget about it. It is a bit of a funny one. Um, I'm, I'm sort of on the line of if we're linked with Coutinho, who for all intents and purposes is very much in that type of ilk, you have to find somewhere for him to be effective and take the good with the bad. Yeah. Can sometimes unbalance your team as we saw at Liverpool. Um, doesn't really have a set position. You sort of just let him roam around and do his thing. Mm-hmm. I think we've got space for that in our team. Um, with our midfield becoming a bit more functional, with Hoybier, uh, with Lacelso being pulled back and the shackles being put on him a little bit, and with guys like Winks and Sizoko sort of in and around the squad, I do feel like there is a little bit of space for just that natural flair because Son, for all that he's good at, can be quite a, a direct player. Doesn't really get involved in the build-up too 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 often um, and then obviously Harry Kane just gets told to run around and be a bit of a nuisance under Mourinho as well so I do think we do have a little bit of space for a sort of Robin-esque type of player who maybe starts from the right hand side, cuts in and just gets in amongst everything and becomes a main outlet for us to attack um, Can a deal be struck? I mean, secretly I do feel like Levy has a little trick under his sleeve um, we do need a marquee signing at some point. Yeah. Not having Champions League is a bit of an issue, but at the same time, I feel like we've seen other clubs go that route of getting their big players when they're out of the Champions League and then being ripe and ready for the season and smashing it. So, I don't know. If finances weren't, weren't an issue, I'd be on that signing, like white on rice. Yeah, man. Yes. Coutinho is an interesting. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops one like you said because he's a bit of a maverick like it, it's weird because we have a fan base who used to slam Ericsson for not like controlling enough games but Ericsson it, or old Ericsson anyway not this new Ericsson but old Ericsson was significantly better at controlling games more so than Coutinho but what you get in Coutinho is it may be a flash in the pan in the game but that flash it's going to wipe out the opposition, isn't it? And that's it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Technically, he's a, he's a cut above 
Ericsson. So he is well worth the risk. He, he's well worth us having that sort of maverick in the team. But whether, like you said, whether Daniel Levy's got the, the bottle or the, the cash to sort of stump, stump up that loan fee, because I heard this, they, Barcelona asked for like a 20 million loan fee or something like that. Madness. Absolutely madness. So they're, Crazy. They're, trying to, they're trying to recoup as much money as they can for him because they've just taken a massive L since signing from Liverpool. So, I mean, he's looking for a way to sort of prove himself. We know that he bangs in the Premier League as well. Um, will, will Levy do it? I don't think he will. I don't think he will, but I'd love, I'd love to see it happen. Does, does someone like, or what type of profile player are we looking to come in? Because we, we talk a lot about um, sort of Levy stumping up the cash or getting the sort of type of quality that we need in. And I feel like this last season that passed, signing in Dombele, Lo Celso, Young, everyone was on quite a high. And obviously this season petered out into a bit of uh, nothingness. Um, so going into this new season with with a few more constraints, obviously COVID has been slighted. Uh, obviously Europa League football isn't the glitz and glamour that we would all like as well. Um, but we've still got positions that are sort of in flux, if you will. Main one being backup striker. What are we looking at? Uh, Owen, what, what do you think? Well, we've been linked with almost every striker under the sun. No, like I've got a dream signing in mind, which I don't think will happen. A more realistic option I think we could go for, which I'm sure would divide opinion, would be Mario Mandzukic. Is he, he does seem like a Mourinho-esque player. He's had the experience of winning titles at Juventus. Um, just a great target man that can bring others into play as well. Even played as a wide target man under Allegri in his final season at Juventus, which suggests to me he still has the legs, but I haven't seen him in his last season, wherever he's even playing now. I think it might be China or Japan. I'm not even sure. But... From what I've heard, he's available. I, would, I wouldn't hate that signing. Um, as I said before, I think a dream signing for me for a second striker would be someone that could also play or be at least adept at playing out wide. I think Wasim Ben Yedda could be a viable option for us. Um, I didn't know he was 29 until last week, but I guess that would make his fee cheaper. Joint Golden Boot winner in League One and can still play out wide as well as being a number nine. And I think he, uh, I don't think he'd struggle to get minutes with the uh, little fixtures. It's looking hella clustered. So either one of those I'd be very happy with. I think the thing with the backup striker is that <clears throat> when we've, our main other two positions, defensive midfield and right back, I feel like the players we've at least been linked with, although a lot of them, has been kind of the similar ilk. With a striker, we've been linked with the finished guys that can't even walk anymore, like Mandzukic, like Troy Deeney. We've been linked with the young, exciting prospects, like Ollie Watkins, Team Ollie Watkins here. Um, so it feels like maybe Mourinho doesn't really know what he wants from a backup striker. Um, so that is a concern for me. I don't really know who we're going to sign. I would rather someone young, someone learn a hurricane, someone to grow. Someone with said on potential because I'm a part-time accountant apparently. Um, 
<laughs> so, yeah, I'm not interested in anyone who's 30 plus, to be fair. We've had our time with Lorente. It wasn't fun. We've got to try something different now. But you know, on that 30 plus vibe, like my, obviously, I'm not sure who Owen's um, dream signing was. I don't think you mentioned it there. Was it, was it Menzukic? No, that was my kind of realistic, viable oh. kind of option. Dream signing would be Ben Yedder. Okay, well, I think, yeah, see, I, I don't want Manzuki as well. I think he's completely fried, like he's, 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 he's burnt, he's done um, at the top level. But in terms of the 30-plus thing, my whole thing is this. If you're good enough, you're good enough. Ideally, we should be targeting like a sort of younger striker who can sort of um, work with Harry Kane, learn off Harry Kane. And when Harry Kane eventually leaves us, we're not like on the back foot in terms of having to sign a replacement and then having to worry about a striker who, a backup striker who can't actually deliver the goal. So it's better that we sort of get ahead of it now by bringing in a young striker who could play a longer sort of future at the club. But that being said, I've been hauling myself out for Cavani all summer and I keep getting told, oh yeah, it's unrealistic, it's unrealistic, it's this, it's that and the other. I'm like, I've been, but when Mourinho signed, I was told that he's got all this player pool, he's got, he's got, He's got all these connections and whatnot. And this guy is literally available for zero pounds transfer fee and maybe something, something mad like, I don't know, 250k a week. Like, I'm sorry, for me, that's a no-brainer. It's well <laughs> worth the risk on a, on a one or two-year contract if he would accept that because this is a top-level striker. I know he's had these injury issues, but he would come in and he's not just going to be a lamppost like, like, like Lorente. He can actually find at the back of the net. He can bring other people into play. His hold-up play is, is really good and he's calm with the ball at his feet. He's not, he's not a Lukaku either. So I don't see why the club's, not, the club's not making an ambitious move for him. But mm. I'd be very surprised and disappointed if we didn't at least speak to his agent or something. Because, yeah. I mean, it looks like he's gone to Benfica now, hasn't it? Yeah, it looks like he has, yeah. Are they even in, are they in the Champions League next year? Let me even double-check. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. They finished, they finished, they finished second in, in the Portuguese League, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, it was Porto this year. Porto were very good this year in the end. Um, Benfica, although they did do very well during the league, they, they kind of forward after the, the restart and then they end up coming second. Um, so I think they must be trying to go for it. With a bit more experience, because mm-hmm. I think they've just they've also gone to sign um, Vertonghen. I think on a three-year deal. I was reading today as well. Yeah, like the the striker thing is such a funny one. I think because especially at Tottenham, like because we've had a lot of years where for some reason it's just been like somewhat cursed. I mean, you know, we've clearly had. We were very blessed when we had the Robbie Keynes, Berbatovs, the Defoes, you know, even Pavlichenko to an extent. Definitely. And then when these guys kind of petered out, I mean, our luck hasn't really been very good when it comes to strikers. Like, and now with Kane, you know, for the last three years, I mean, I've literally been screaming, this guy needs a proper backup. And even now, like, I'm just, I, I just don't know which direction the club is moving. Like, I understand that in January they were very they were very much looking at um, Milik from Napoli and then that didn't end up happening. Um, like, personally now, I mean, a player... First of all, Mandzukic, no. I was looking at his stats the other day. Like, he ain't even putting up numbers in, in like, Qatar or wherever he is. I mean, I, I think he's played, like, 30-something games, four goals. I mean, that's awful, to be honest with you, for me. So, 
I would basically not look at him for that reason alone. But like, as like Tyler said, you know, do we go young? Do we go old? Like, I'm a big fan of Ollie Watkins, but I just feel like maybe he won't want to come to Spurs because he knows that his game time um, is will be limited, and he's 24. Like, which I which I was quite surprised. I thought he was a bit younger than that, but he's 24, so he's probably coming to a point where he wants to be leading the line for a team at a decent level. Um, if it was up to me, realistically, like I'd be going like maybe Josh King or Callum Wilson. Because again, these, I know these guys are not amazing names, but these guys are proven in the Premier League. Um, I think Ben Yedda as well. He's a really good option. Um, someone a bit out of the box that I think has potential and probably could show it at a high level is um, Eduard uh, at Celtic. Um, I think he's, yeah. I actually think he's decent. I've watched a lot of Celtic games um, last couple of years and him up front with um, Griffiths, I mean, he's very, very good um, and he could probably play at a high level. Kind of reminds me of um, Dembele at Lyon, uh, which is funny considering uh, Dembele left Celtic as well, but I think he would be an option. Um, he probably couldn't play inside forward, like let's say like the way Moro or, or Son could play, but I think, you know, to raise his game at at a high level, um, learn off Harry Kane, play in the Premier League, uh, you know, play in Europe um, at a decent level, you know, not going out every every year at the group stages or whatnot. I mean, it would be a decent enough option, I think, personally. But again, I mean, the striker position, at least with the others, you can kind of fit those holes, those, you know, those squares into squares, circles and circles with the right back and the centre back. and But it's just, the striker position has been such an enigma for us. And I, at this point, I just don't know which way we're going to go. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Like, it's a tough one because we've we've tried both approaches um, in the last five years, pretty much. Obviously, we went out and got Soldado just before, just before uh, Kane emerged, and I think the sentiment across the fan base was we finally got that top level striker to lead the line, um, and that didn't work out. But then we sort of levelled it out by getting Harry Kane emerge. Since then, obviously, we've tried having a young up-and-comer who could potentially learn off Kane in Janssen, who at international level does actually score a decent amount of goals. Came with a good, good scoring record, albeit in a weaker league. Um, and then we sort of transitioned to the older, experienced lamppost in Lorente. So I think we've sort of shot our load in terms of experimenting in a lot of instances. I, I, I think at this point we know what issues arise with backup strikers. They never quite get enough game time to hit a rhythm or hit a stride. Um, and then obviously when, when, you, when you go the route of having wide forwards play down the centre, the style of play tends to shift a lot. We've seen that in Sun being our main striker or even uh, Lamella's played 49 for us and Lucas Moura's played up top and we've pretty much tried everything we, we, we have available to us. So I'm sort of torn. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to Mandzukic uh, just because of the other type of players that we have around him. Um, the Josh Kings, the, the Wilsons, all of these guys, they're not, they're not bad players. I just don't feel like they'll placate 
the fan base. I feel feel mm. like we'll just end up having this conversation in January or next summer where people are like, we need a backup striker that can actually score goals or there'll be caveats to the signing every single week. So we are sort of in a rock and a hard place with that one. And I think that's where the club need to be just smart with it. They just need to, <clears throat> they just need to actually put some proper thought into this striker. Laurenti was a panic buy. Jansen was us sort of trying to sort of find a cheapish way of finding a backup striker. Because let's look at it. Fair enough, he cost 17 million, but he's unknown. We <clears throat> we knew that no one else was going to be up for his signature as well. So it just felt like a bit of a, a cop-out in terms of that signing. And I just think now, even if you sign a Josh King or, or, or Callum Wilson, whatever, whoever we sign, just make sure it's someone who can actually come and contribute something to this to this team now, because it's getting to the point now where we don't even have, we none of these backup trackers have been able to score even 10 goals in all competitions. None of them. That's scary. None of them. It's like, do you know how bad that is? 10 goals in all competitions. <coughs> Mason Greenwood is like two goals off like 20 for the season. And we ain't had a backup striker who can even score 10 in all comps. So I just think whatever they do, they need to do it with Vim and they actually need to find a striker who can make us, who 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 doesn't um who doesn't get nosebleeds in front of goal and at the same time doesn't compromise our sort of build-up as well. I know it's it's easier said than done, but this is what they're paid to do. So they just need to do it well because we can't accept failure in this position again. We struggle season in, season out without no backup striker and forever now for, for the past four or five years it's been our Achilles, our Achilles heel so we just need to get it done now we need to other teams can do it but us why is that just get it done I completely yeah. agree with that and one elephant in the room that none of us want to talk about Hurricane's probably going to leave next year 100 yeah. yeah if we buy a backup striker now we're then left in a position of, oh, we need to buy another striker. Anyway. Our backup striker doesn't work out this year. We need to buy another backup striker. <laughs> and it just, the whole thing just kind of snowballs. So I don't know what we're going to do. Like, the fans love to feel like we all know it alls and we can all look at YouTube clips to know who to sign. I genuinely have no idea what we're going to do in that position. Well, this, this is where you need scouts. This is where you need scouts, people who actually do this for a living. Not us who watch football and play football manager. We have all the ideas in the world, but this is where these these scouts or the people who, who head up our sort of recruitment committee, this is where you need to do your job. Do your job because enough is enough now. And I would just touch on one point. We did discuss it um, the other day about this whole backup striker situation. And the only credit I'm going to give Tottenham is that buying a, a backup striker to a world-class striker is very, very difficult, no matter who we are. And we're a tiny club, if we're keeping it real. Like, I was saying, Bayern Munich have um, Arp, I think his name is, 19-year-old guy who's unproven in the German league. Um, Real Madrid went out and spent 50 million on a backup striker. He hasn't been able to score for Toffee. Um, Barcelona brought in this, this Braithwaite guy who <laughs> he looks like Dead. he's like a So, like, it's not just Tottenham that are struggling with us. Like, we need to keep it realistic, but... I agree with what you said. Like this signing for a striker is so so crucial for us. Yeah, Sorry, go on. It was just looking at the fixture list from the twelfth of September onwards. Like I don't agree with like a lot of the people saying that they're not going to get enough minutes at this point because obviously we do know Harry Kane's injuries. And from the twelfth of September, the longest rest we get in between games until the middle of October is three days. <laughs> 
I mean, we have to get a striker. Three days and it's come out that they're not willing to move our fixtures around. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's for two weeks we play every two or three days for the first two weeks of the season. Yeah. yeah. It, we've heard it for years, this urban myth that, oh, yeah, who's going to come? Who's going to want to come and sit on the bench? For Harry Kane, the guy goes. The guy is injured like two, three months a season. This season he was injured for six months. If not for a restart, that would have been him for the season. Stop telling us that. Stop telling us who's going to come and sit on the bench because you're not going to come sit on the bench with Harry Kane in that team. You're going to get at least, at least twenty to twenty-five games, and out of those twenty to twenty-five games, you're probably going to get about fifteen starts. Especially yeah. now that we're in the Europa League. I don't want to hear all this excuse that oh yeah, players aren't going to play. They're going to play. They're going to play. Squad, I, 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 get what you, I get what you're saying, but no team ever provisions for injuries alone. Do you get what I mean? It's like, let's, let's, look, at, let's look at those spells. We've had Troy Parrott sitting on the bench all season. Yeah, he's unproven, but he's probably just as proven as a lot of the other young strikers that, as Tyler mentioned, a lot of the other big clubs have waiting in the wings. And that guy, what, came on for like four cameo appearances or something silly like that? Like Jose, for all for all the criticisms, tends to get the most out of quite a small squad, um, and he doesn't tend to rotate too much in the cups either. So we are looking at Harry Kane potentially playing upwards of fifty games next season, obviously barring barring injury, and then we've already seen that he quite fancies like testing out guys like uh, Delhi up top if needed as well. So. I can see the, the issues sort of rehashing themselves in some instances, but I can also see the flip side of any young young striker wanting to actually get first team minutes is going to look at Harry Kane and they are going to say, if he stays fit for a whole season, which in the past he has managed to play the majority of the games in the Premier at the very least, I could lead my team to a final. He can return from injury and straight away take my spot. So, I, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle on that. I, I get what you're saying. I feel like we do need to find a solution for it. But I do also believe the fact that, given the catalogue of evidence that we have, Harry Kane's going to play if he can walk. Mm-hmm. Like, let alone if he can run or if he can smash the ball in the net. But then that's, when, that's, that's, where, that's where I think the managers need to be stronger. That's where the managers yeah. need to be um, we, said, we said the same thing with Pochettino as well. Stop playing this guy. You don't have to play this guy for 90 minutes, week in, week out, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. Like, it shouldn't be that way at all. Like, there are so many fixtures in the season as well. And Harry Kane, Harry Kane played, like, every single minute of that of that sort of December period for us last year. Ali played every single minute as well. Like, these players are going to get burnt out and burnout leads to, to, to the risk of injury as well. I think Mourinho needs to be strong and... Everyone keeps telling me how he's a character, he's a personality. He's not afraid to make decisions like that. He's not, he's not a manager who, who will bend to Harry Kane's, Harry Kane's demands. He's someone who says, you know what, if I don't want you... When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital grade clean. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask. No Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. 
to play this game. I'm not going to play you this game. So he needs to have that sort of attitude when it comes to Harry Kane because ultimately we need this guy fit and available for this season. It just needs to be like that. We're the only team that functions this way. No one else does. I mean, another striker is it's imperative. Like the way I see it, actually, I see it as negligence because you can't have all your hopes or pin all your hopes on one player basically being fit. Because not only are you taking into account that that player could actually have burnout, but there's a high likelihood of injury. So to reduce the potential for there to be long-term injury, which we saw like last season, you need someone to somehow give that player a rest. And I think if Tottenham don't go into this new season without a, a, another striker, it's negligence. It's gross negligence. And it's not right because, as Tyler said, like... <laughs> If Kane is actually going next season, which I'm, you know, people need to just be frank and honest. Like, it's more than likely that he will. He will look at his options and think, right, I'm out. We're we're, we're going to be in, in an even worse position. And I think as a club that are trying to become the big club, you know, like the Liverpool's, the Man City's, the Chelsea's, the United's, like this is something that we can't ignore. I feel like it's something that's been eaten away at the football club and, like, the fans. And it's something that we just can't ignore anymore. Like, I mean, get someone, be it old, be it young, inexperienced, experienced. We need to have someone in there because it's just difficult for us to be having the same conversation every season knowing that we're going into the season and there's no backup for Harry Kane. I mean, yes. I don't know. It's, it's not a surprise that he's been injured for three, four months, two, three, four months every season. I mean, yeah. To, coming from like a science background, it's not, it's not unsurprising to me. It's just, I don't understand how, if we can see it and other pundits can see it and other fans can see it, how can't our recruiters see it? How can't, you know, Levy see it? How can't Mourinho push and be like, listen, this is something we need to change, you know? Like, you know what's crazy as well, yeah? When you look at the top 10 sides in the league, when you look at all the elite teams, yeah, you know, we can say that some of these backups aren't that great, but the point is, none of these teams would even dare think to go into the season with one, what, one backup striker. Liverpool, Origi on the bench. Man City, Jesus on the bench. Man United, they went, I know he's not great, but they went out, they recognised that they needed a striker. They went out and signed Nagalo last January. Chelsea, they got three strikers. Leicester, Ehinacho on the bench. Wolves, Pedro Neto, Arsenal, Nketiah, Lacazette, Sheffield United, Sheffield United, McBurney and, and McGoldrick. They're both bums, but two strikers. <laughs> Burnley, Burnley, Chris Wood, Dave uh, Rodriguez, Ashley Barnes, and, um, oh. and Pedro. Like, you get the point here. Even Southampton, Danny Ng, Shea Adams, even the teams who, who ain't even in as much competitions as us know that they need, they can't go into the season with one striker. So what makes us so... What makes us so high and mighty that we feel that we can go into, this, go into another season and not sign a striker? The club know they need to sign a striker this summer. They know how important it is and they better not get it wrong. It's such a big summer for us this year. So, play devil's advocate for a Levy apologist. Like, we are trying to sign a striker. Like, I, I dug up an article uh, from May this year. Uh, Victor Osimen, who I believe joined Napoli, in it, from Lille. Yeah. Uh, apparently... He had conversations with Mourinho and he said, I'm not going to Tottenham unless you man sell Harry Kane because I want to start every single game. So obviously that's just one example. But although we're saying, yeah, striker will play 20, 25 games. If a player is saying, oh, Harry Kane's there, 
why why on earth would he join when he can go to another top European club and be guaranteed to more wins? I remember Pochettino apparently having a phone call with Morata before he joined Chelsea. He was just like, no, don't don't worry about it. Treat yourself. You've already got Harry Kane, brother. I'm, I'm <laughs> Exactly. But, I don't know. Like, I'm not hearing just, it. Just, just one, just one point. Like, I also think as well. Like, this situation, and I think it's at any position. Like, psychologically, you have to look at it. Like, if you are the only striker in that football club, and you're playing every week, you can drop a two out of ten, and you know, the next week, you're still getting played. It doesn't matter purely because. We have Harry Kane. We we are lucky that we have a player that is a world class striker. So even his two, three out of ten, he'll still pop up, pop up with a goal. But you always want to be able to have a position where, if you have a player that's kind of on your haunches, ready to go, giving you a bit of competition, pushing you a little bit, that's enough of there to be be able to build like a mentality where you know what competition is positive, competition is good, and actually. If there's people trying to fight to get into the first team, there's people trying to, you know, push each other to get in positions, that's better for everyone, not just the player, but also the club. And I think in key positions like at Tottenham, that's this has been the problem. Like, you know, there's a there was a period where Ali was in the team and Ali was playing every week, even though he was dropping proper stinkers. Mm. So you kind of sometimes want a position where fine, you might not have someone that's amazing, but you know that if you drop a rubbish performance, the manager's just gonna hook you. And you're going to have someone that's going to be ready to put in a performance. And that also gives the person who's coming in an opportunity to then put in a performance. If he can bag a goal, give, give the manager at least something to think about. But if the manager has nothing to think about, then it's just like, what's the point? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like my point is like way, way overinflated. But I just feel, I just feel like we have to. We, I, just, I just don't know who it's going to be. But at the end of this window... Before the season starts, I just want to see us with another ST in that squad. On, on, on your point about competition for places, in, in practice and in theory, that's perfect because squad depth is important. But if we look at all the top clubs, everyone has that one player that is undroppable. Man City have De Bruyne. You can have as many midfielders in that uh, City squad as you want. But if he's fit, he's going to play, barring, barring if there's like no incentive for him to play. Messi, Ronaldo, who else is there? There's the likes of Salah, Van Dijk, all of these guys, if, if they're available, they're going to play realistically. There is no competition for their place. There's just squad depth behind them in case of worst case scenario. So I do feel like Harry Kane is in that tier of player for us. The rest of the guys you mentioned, whether it was Ericsson at the time or... Delhi, those guys don't really warrant that sort of um, that sort of treatment. But Harry Kane is definitely one of them, um, which has my mind going to potential other approaches to it. If we can't guarantee that somebody will play X amount of games of a certain quality um, as a, as a single striker, do we potentially go the route of finding someone to partner Harry Kane? Yeah, but then that's probably more money, right? Because you want a higher calibre striker that's going to start for us. And that's going to be in place of a Sun or a Delhi or a Lo Celso or a Lucas. So how much money are we realistically going to spend on that? That would be my option as well, because that would then not leave us completely fucked up when Kane does leave. But I just can't see us doing that. 
And I was going to say as well on um, Mourinho, he did mention a few comments in certain press conferences. He kept using the word balance. He was like, Tottenham just don't have a balance in the squad. Like we say about undroppable players, and Kane is one of them, Sergio shouldn't be one of them. Like we didn't have any backup for a guy like Sergio, which is disgraceful really for a, a club fighting to get into the Champions League and fighting to win trophies. Well, yeah, precisely that. I, I, I think we're, we're already seeing our fan base quite split um, on the players that leave and the players that stay. I think a lot of that comes down to romanticising what squad depth actually looks like. Uh, we've gone this whole season with a Premier League calibre right-back on loan, a proven, experienced left-back on loan, and then guys like Foyf basically not getting any games, Tanganga just sitting in the wings, obviously, albeit with a few injuries here and there, and literally nobody to back up uh, Davis on the left-hand side. Um, so we do have a lot of work to do in terms of building a balanced squad. Um, but I think it's, it, it should be on a case-by-case basis. I mean, we're definitely going to see somebody leave this this, this off-season. And I think this is a good way to uh, get some of Tobes' more outlandish opinions. Uh, who do you think is on the short list of... <laughs> you know, like, the funny thing is, if you look... If you not speak, if you not knew me like a year ago, like I was so willing to give a lot of these players chances, but boy, Ben Davies, I know you lot like him. I know you lot say that um, we need to keep him as backup, but he needs to skate. He needs to bust the f out of this club. <laughs> I don't know what's happened to him these past two years, but he's gone from being a decent backup left back to just being pure and utter garbage. The man isn't even strong defensively. The man gets done by pace. The guy can't attack. He gets nosebleeds when he crosses the halfway line. He is shocking. Our fan base will give all this energy to Aurier because he's poor. And yeah, he is poor. But Aurier is, for me, Aurier is better than Ben Davies. He's better than Ben Davies. So for me personally, Aurier, Ben Davies, I would have got rid of Eric Dyer this summer, but obviously he signed a new contract. He's staying. One fourth, I like him, but we've got to be clinical. He needs to bust out. He needs to go. Lamella, Lord have mercy. Lord, this guy, this guy is living on like he's he's got more lives than a bloody cat. It's ridiculous. He's got more lives than a cat. And this is coming from someone who actually used to accept the fact that you know what, this guy, he's a squad player. Like, if you can come into this team and get us maybe six or seven, six or seven goals a season and like six or seven assists, you know what? I guess I have to accept that. But he can't even do that. The guy played like 26 or 27 game for us in the league like two goals two. that is crap and he's not going to get any better get rid of him get rid of him and then there are players as well that I like like Lucas Moura Harry Winks all of these players I know they're not going to be sold but if a good offer came in for them this summer I'd sell them too even Sissoko I like Sissoko I think he's a good squad player as well but there are so many players in that team who are dispensable there's so many so we have to do what's better we have to do what's right and sell these players that are offering us absolutely nothing, like your Lamellas, like your Forbes and Retetes, and just getting better players. It has to be done. Because we've, we've been too nice. Like you said, our fan base romanticise and cling on to these players. We're too nice. And I'm guilty of that too. We just need to see it for what it is. Because some of these players, we like and we form attachments to them. But ultimately, they're not offering us anything good. They're not. I think the three that you named that I'm in agreement with, would be Lamella, Sizoko, and Foyth. 
Um, Foyth would be the most disappointing, funny enough for me, because I felt like he came in and he did show that he was a Prem ready player. Um, he had a spell at right back, didn't look out of place. Uh, he's filled in at centre back, never really looks out of place. Um, it's just about being able to develop in, in, in a team, but he will garner probably the most money out of all three of them. Um, you could sell him, you could sell him for upwards of 20 mil and nobody would really bat an eyelid at it um, because there is a potential top player there. Um, whereas with someone like Lamella, it's more, more a case of just that expiration date being hit. Obviously, he's part of the Magnificent Seven or um, not so Magnificent Seven. Um, but he's endured. he's endured and he's been a good servant to the club. He's been part of some fantastic moments, but in terms of squad depth, he just happened to play in a position where we have an abundance of talent in Burwine, uh, Sun, you've got Delhi fighting for one of those positions, you've got uh, the Celso fighting for one of those positions, Mora, all of these guys give us options. So again, he's someone that could go and that sentiment is also shared with Sissoko. But... Yeah. Sissoko's a, you know, Sissoko's a good squad player. Like, as I said, I wouldn't want to sell him. I wouldn't want to sell Harry Winks. I wouldn't want to sell Lucas Mora. But if we actually had good offers for them, I would not begrudge the club selling them. But more importantly... The ones that are actually offering us nothing. Because Sissoko offers us something. The ones that are actually offering us diddly squat right now, like your voice, like your Danny Roses, like your um, like your flipping Ben Davies and whatnot, they need to skate. They need to bust out. It's, 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 it, they need to go. They, they actually need to go. And the thing is, um, we have this sort of rebuild job, yeah? And yet... Were how many months into the transfer window and yet no players left? Like, yo, this needs to start happening now. Like, we need to start getting rid of some of these players now and getting in the new ones because it seems like for whatever reason, barring Hoybier, I'm hearing with Aurier, we're not we're not going to get the apparently us signing a new right back is dependent on whether he leaves. So so try and engineer this deal with AC Milan, get him out the, the door and bring in a new right back. Like we're stalling and stalling and stalling. Make the first move. You sign these players in and start pushing for these deadwood players out the door. Get them out the door. I'm the only guy here that wouldn't sell Lamella. So I'm oh, come on, Tyler. Oh, Tyler. Oh, come on. Kick him, kick him, kick him. Kick him. Oh, kick him. Come on, man. Kick him, please. Kick him right <laughs> now. The, the nerves, the beat of sweat. <laughs> Although I would agree, one... Big criticism I've had with Levy and the club in terms of transfers is we haven't sold players at the right time enough. We've held on to players a lot longer, which just makes me hypocrite with what I've just said with Lamella. But we haven't, when Dyer was quoted to be of a, a link with Man United for 50 million, we should have sold him straight away. We need to be selling players at their peak to then reinvest the squad. And we didn't do that. We're now stuck with a stale squad and we're penny-pinching to try and rebuild what was once a really, really good squad to now a top-six squad. But, yeah, I mean, I love Lamella. None of you can, can tell me about <laughs> <laughs> no. He's actually shit, though. He's Tyler, he's shit. He's shit. got rid of Dyer at that time, though. We would have we just been having a conversation of, oh, we always sell our best player to Manchester United. Yeah, that's we true. Sell rivals, so. that's true. I, I, I get it. Manchester plays a part. 
I would, I mean, I would have, I like Dyer, but I would have taken 50 million for him back then. I definitely would have taken 50 million. I mean, that is a heck of a lot of money for a guy you signed for like, what, five, six million, I think, of, yeah. sporting, of sporting Lisbon as well. But back on, back on Lamella though, the guy is utter trash. All he is is, all he is, is passion. And I'm not even spelling the normal spelling. P-A-S-H-U-N, the passion. That's, that's all he is. Passion, fouling. Oh, he's Argentinian. He's got this grip. All he does is drink his mate or mate and, and foul people on the pitch. That's all he's good for. That's all he's good for. Like, I just, I just don't have to, oh, I just, I just feel like with Lamella, uh, time now is, 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 is up. Like, State, man. I, I feel like there were, he was given lots of op- ample opportunities, ample opportunities, nice. and you know, just a mixture of injuries. Like, sometimes you just, you know, you know, he's going to give you passion, but you're not really, do you really trust him to do what you're, what is asking, what is asked of him? And I often find that in this latter sort of part of his time at Tottenham, that he's just, I don't, I just feel like, He's just not playing for the team. There's times when you watch him and in key moments, you just want him to just give the ball up. You've done the good work, give the ball up. And you often find him holding on to the ball for whatever reason it may be, um, slowing down attacks, um, stopping attacks. Like, and I, I, just, I just feel like, I don't know, I just feel like for me now, I think we should just put a nail in this and just, if we can get someone in for him, Someone to come in for him, then just get get him out. Um, like I think he, you know, he's been a loyal servant. Um, he's kind of been in the squad a while now. Part of that, you know, that seven that we that we bought. But I just feel like with him, it's the time has properly run. Um, I feel like we need a big squad, but players like him, I just don't think he he offers enough. Um, when it comes to someone like Aurier, I think Aurier is better than Davies. I, I do personally believe. But I feel like if we can get a decent amount for Aurea, then we should get rid of him as well. You know, there's no harm in getting players out and bringing fresh players in. Mm-hmm. And this this business of penny pinching, I, I don't know. Sometimes you need to spend the money to be able to get the money back. So if it means that you pay X amount for a left back, that could be the thing that could force someone to be like, you know what? Let's get let's let's just let's let's take Ben Davies off their hand, or let's take one fourth off their hands. Like we don't have to always be the ones. Like this mentality of us having to sell to buy as well. I think we should be proactive. You know, we know that these players are dead wood. You either ice them out, don't play them, or you actively try and move them on. But instead of us keeping these players all this time, it, it is quite frustrating. I, I, I just don't like. I don't think people like Ben Davies and Lamella personally are of the quality that we require to move to the next level. I feel like you go anywhere across the top six, there are players that I think when you, when you compare them to the players that we have in those, these positions, especially the fullback positions, we are really slacking. And I mean, in terms of moving forward in football, the modern fullback has the ability to do both very well. They often have players who can do one thing very well, be it defending like Wan-Bissaka or going forward, like someone like Chilwell or Trent. But we just don't have fullbacks that are very good at both. And that is what is frustrating. That's the thing that, that, what, that actually worries me the most about our fullbacks. Because mm. Ben Davies used to, be a, he used to be a competent defender. Like, 
his best season for us, that season when we when we were at Wembley, like I thought he was actually like I never thought he was like a good, like a, a certy good fullback, but I thought he had promised to be a good fullback. Like I used to say to my friends, my friends always take the piss out of me. But after that season, I, I had this thing where I'd be like, oh, he's a decent to good player. Like I actually thought he was a decent to good player after that season. But last year and this year, like last year he was poor. He was so bad. I, I'll never forget that game against Inter Milan. I genuinely thought this guy down the bottle of Jack Daniels before that game. He was that bad. <laughs> Him and Dyer, that Inter Milan away game, he was absolutely horrific. And this season, it's been worse. We were asked, like, Danny Rose was so bad that we were saying, oh, yo, we need Ben Davies back into the team. He's come back into the team and he's just reminded us why we, wanted, why we didn't want him starting last season when Danny, Rose, when Danny Rose became fit. Because when Danny Rose was fit towards the back end of that sort of Champions League run, Ben Davies rarely got a game. He really got a game in the, in, in the important matches anyway. So just get rid of him. He's not good enough. Like, if you look at the top 10 as well, like, how many teams would he get into? Sheffield United, maybe. Maybe. And even then, I'll, wait, I'll, take, I'll take Eddie Stevens ahead of him. I'll take Eddie Stevens into every single one of them as a backup. As a backup. As a, as a backup, he's, yeah. He's part of them. That's the part. Precisely. And, 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 and here's, here's, here's where my, my sort of um, logic comes into all of that. It's like... If we go out and replace, say, Aurea with a top quality right back, they're going to play every game of the season because we literally do not have another recognised right back on the books. Left back is very similar. Sesson Young is not playing left back for us. It's been made apparent. Jose has said it. He's not playing left back for us. So what, we go out and we spend 50 mil on a, on a new left back or 35 or however much it is, and that person gets injured, we're back to square one of playing somebody who is a square peg in a round hole. It's, 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 it's not efficient squad building. So as much as I agree players should be phased out, they should be phased out. They shouldn't just be mooted because a good bid comes in. We have a responsibility to keep the numbers up in the squad and keep a, a baseline level of quality. And I feel like having a backup like uh, uh, Davis or Leica Aurier is what top clubs would look to have. Um, just getting them out doesn't seem sensible to me. Don't you think, though, don't you, so sorry, don't you think, though, that like, I know obviously Sessignon, I, I know he's not a left back now. I know defensively, defend, defending isn't his strong point, concentration, intensity. But whenever Mourinho speaks about Sessignon, he speaks well of Sessignon. I know he's not played him at left back, but I think I would much rather I would much rather be comfortable us upgrading Ben Davies, literally getting him out of the club altogether, and literally letting someone like Cess or Kirkin sink or swim in some of these sort of lesser matches. I would genuinely rather prefer that because I know we say that Ben Davies offers us all security, even as backup. But like the guy's starting now, and he's not off. He's not. He's not playing well for me. He's not good. He's not offering us anything in that left-back position. And it's only going to be the same if he comes in as a, as a bench player. So I would much rather let a young player fail and try and sort of learn the trade of being a left-back than see this Ben Davies guy playing week in, week out, because I'm sick to death of it now. I've, we've given, as I said, we're too kind on some of these players. He's not good enough for the club. So he just needs to, we need to move him on. He's not good enough. I'd, I'd agree if, if, Mourinho gave me something to work with in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, 
you need you need a manager who's going to take a punt on a young player and who's going to give them opportunities enough to develop. Obviously, we had Pochettino and a lot of the credit that he got was deserved in terms of giving young players chances. But we also saw on some occasions where we had young players like, say, a Marcus Edwards, who didn't get any minutes, but we brought an Enkudu or NG in who got garbage minutes more so than an academy prospect. So as much as I agree, yeah, giving young players is 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 preferred option based on Mourinho being our manager and given how he approaches every competition that we're in, I don't see it as a viable option unless they start getting minutes immediately. Like he has to give me that indicator for me to tune my mind to thinking that that's the right approach for us. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. This is the, I hear you. And that's what I'm saying. Jose now, he needs to back up his talk because this was a guy who was comparing Ryan Sessegnon to Ashley Cole. He was saying he could be as good as Ashley Cole within like the first sort of month or two of his stint here. And like, we've barely seen him play. Like, we could have seen him play. We could have seen Sess play against Newcastle. We could have seen him play against Everton. We could have seen him play against a bag of teams in the restart. And for whatever reason, Mourinho decides not to play him. So I think next year, or this upcoming season, with the fixtures we have, you have to, he's going to have to rotate anyway. So now he's going to have no excuse. Your Sessignon, your Kirkins, utilise them. Let's see what they can do. Because watching Ben Davies week in, week out is not it. It's not it for me anymore. Touching on your point earlier about um, players that aren't very good or whatever, players that we've signed for big money, so we feel like we have to force them into the squad instead of playing academy players. Jensen Fernandez is a big one that we've got on loan, who's playing minutes instead of skip, who we hear is, well, I heard is training as a right back as well, instead of maybe us going out and buying a right back, which would be disastrous. What do you guys think of, of our man Jensen? I think he's a nothing player. I think he's a nothing player. I don't, and I don't mean, I don't, I don't mean he's he's a terrible player, but I just think he's a nothing player because I don't know what he adds to this team. I know he's not had game time, but when he's played, I haven't been particularly impressed, with the exception of his cameo against um, Norwich in the FA Cup, where he was he wasn't even playing in central midfield. He was playing as a left winger, and that's where he could ex- that's where he could make good use of like his pace and his dribbling. But short of him being a decent dribbler and, and good work ethic, I don't really see what he adds to this team. When he's playing in midfield, he's largely invisible for me. And if you look at the options we have in midfield, I'm taking Sissoko over him any day of the week. I'm taking Winks over him any day of the week. I'm taking Ndombele any day of the week. Le Celso any day of the week. Hoibier any day of the week. So what, where does he actually fit into this team? He's not a defensive. He's not a defensive midfielder, so it's not like he's someone who can stand in for Hoybier. And if he's someone who's meant to progress the ball, if he's dribbling or passing, I think Harry Winks and Sissoko do that better than him. And they're meant to be these sort of squad players next year. So where does he actually fit in this team? The only rationale I could see is when we brought him in. Sissoko had that really bad injury. Um, obviously, COVID kind of saved our season in a weird way. But um. He, I think he was brought in to bring that flair in midfield to be able to transition the ball because without Sissoko, we didn't really have that. And we were missing that kind of engine in midfield where Winks kind of slows down the game a bit too much. But now that Sissoko is back and now that we're playing a formation where we're going to have one sitting and then two more creative players, I think if we can cut this loan short, then boy, we, we just should. Because yeah. just there uploading pictures on Instagram, he's basically the Earl of the Sheep. So... <laughs> 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 I don't, 
you um, you're, you're underrating Getson. He's better than Loftus Cheek. Oh, <laughs> come on. I'm chatting. I'm chatting shit. Obviously, but. it's it's a difficult one. Like, I I feel like I've just not seen enough of him to really know where his preferred position is and the role that he's come to Tottenham to play. Like, because obviously he's very young, and I think when he was at Benfica, he was playing a fair bit. Like, he was playing in and out of the team, even as a as a young sort of prospect. So coming to Tottenham, obviously, big deal. Coming to England, um, obviously, not guaranteed to be starting every week, but to be getting some playing time. And I, I just feel that we've just not seen enough of him to be able to make a full judgment on, on him as a player. Like, I feel, I personally think he could play the role that Sissoko thinks Sissoko can play better as in that double pivot who can kind of get forward and progress the ball. I personally think that's where Jetson is probably best placed. But then when I've seen him play, they've put him out on the left predominantly. I think he would often try to drift in as a player. So I feel like maybe the opportunities haven't really been there. And I don't know, I'm not sure what they're paying him on, on this loan. But yeah, he is doing bad guy on Instagram. So I can't really, can't really say whether we're going to get a player that wants to be back at Tottenham come the start of the season or not. I don't know. Um, be interesting to see what he wants to do as a player. Does he want to really push on and try to push for the first team or is he happy to then, you know, have these sort of small amount of minutes where he's kind of getting 15, 20 minutes here and there, you know? Yeah, it is an interesting one. Um, as you said, he hasn't had a, a large amount of opportunities, so I'd be reluctant to say get him out but on the flip side we do have young players that do deserve opportunities um, in their preferred positions and I'm always of the school of thought that we should prioritise our own as, as Brexit as that sounds um, <laughs> but yeah no for the most part um, yeah I, I, th- I can't I can't really see where he fits long term but We'll, we'll, we'll see yeah. that. It's a short-term thing for me. I think uh, Top summarised it quite well, where I do think his preferred position probably is on like the right side of centre midfield, whether it be in a pivot or on the right side of a 4-3-3. I do think he can do that role better than Sissoko. So my role, it's short-term thinking, but I would sell and try and get the money while we can for Sissoko this summer. And then... I'd see how the loan goes. I do believe the obligation fee to make the move permanent is something like 45, 50 million. Oh, for goodness sake. Well, he does. (laughs) I don't think he's going to be that much. So I'd say at the end of next season, perhaps let the loan go in and invest in someone a bit younger, cheaper, or even kind of rotate him and skip giving them minutes in the team move on from Sissoko I'd much rather keep Sissoko than and get rid of Gedson I, I I can't see I think that's a huge downgrade I know he's younger I know obviously he has more upside potential but I mean Sissoko is here to stay now he signed a new three and a half year deal in January and whatnot like I don't think I, I hear your point if we do get a good enough offer it would make sense to move him on but I don't think we're actively looking to sell him. And I think Soko is someone who 
who is very much a Mourinho player in terms of he's diligent, he can sort of play a number of sort of roles tactically for Mourinho as well. And I think we need his energy. I know obviously Getson has a lot of energy, but he just doesn't have the same sort of power or sort of presence on the pitch. And I don't even think even with game time, he's going to make that impact that we need. So I would literally just cut that loan short, man. Like, 40 million, I think, even if he had a decent spell for us this season, this upcoming season, I'd feel away about us spending 40 million on him. I really would. Yeah, I don't like that obligation at all, to be honest. I mean, every time your leg comes in frame, I get a bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I think I broke my foot earlier, so I'm fidgeting. So I do apologise for those who are watching. Ballet stretches over in the corner. Part <laughs> <laughs> time gymnast over here. So we've 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 gone quite long today. Um so I think it's a good good time to cut short, I guess. Um it's been a pleasure, of course. Um yeah. Hopefully everyone else enjoyed it too. I just wanted to say I'm a proud guy right now because a player who shares my first name just banged a winner for Ivy Leipzig. So shout out to all the players <laughs> out there. <laughs> Shameless. Shameless. Uh, <laughs> I need the lobbies when I can get them, man. <laughs> Atletico going outside, man. Jeez. Honestly, man. Honestly. Yeah, Champions League just doesn't have the same vibe when we're not in it, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same vibe. It's about me. to remix Death of Autotune with Death of Simeone Ball right now. <laughs> <laughs> Simeone's turned them into. What's that? Yeah, he's turned them into well, he's always been sort of like Catanasio's sort of there, like literally just like defend, 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 defend. Like Champions League quarter final, you'd think you'd be more adventurous with it. And to be fair, they were quite open, but they were more open than usual today. But like I always knew Leipzig were gonna win this man. Atletico, they just got they ain't got goals, man. They ain't got goals. It's a funny one, man. I don't know, like Griezmann leaving. That kind of indi- indicated to me that maybe he was sick and tired of that style of football. And you know, the guy who I feel the most sorry for at Fletco is Jao Felix, man, because I feel like he's got so much potential. And we need to he, start a GoFundMe page for this guy, bro, because I'm watching uh, him the corner and it's like he's, he's so good, man. Like, honestly, man. Yeah. so good. What's the, what's the final score with that? It's it's about to be two one, I think. I think Leipzig are going to hold on. Yeah, it's it's currently two one. Four minutes extra time, man. But I don't know, man. Could be done. Exactly. So, so basically, if anyone looked cross-eyed during this pod, it's because they were watching uh, the football. <laughs> <laughs> so this might be an audio-only one for, for guys that have uh, something against cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, on that note, um, we'll wrap up there and we'll see you guys soon. Take it easy. Thanks, gents. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line and Son breaks forward. Oh wow, what a run. Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. 
Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. Sports Social Podcast Network.